Hey folks, Celica here, creator and host of The Color Girl Beautiful. If you're tuning in for the first time, thanks for coming through. We're currently between seasons and we'll be back with brand new content later this fall. But not to worry, there's plenty of content for you to check out in the meantime. Obviously, the episode you're about to listen to right now is amazing, and we believe the entire back catalog is worth your time. But if you're looking for a place to start, I recommend episode one, which is an introduction to the show's genesis, or episode four, which just happens to be one of my favorites. After that, the sky's the limit. I hope you stick around, and I'm super excited for you to hear season two. Anywho, happy listening, and see you around. Hey everyone, this is Aselica, creator and host of The Colored Girl Beautiful. Nicole and I are in between seasons right now, and we're bringing you mini episodes, short stories for Black women that we interviewed and adored, but couldn't fit in the regular season. This month's topic is history. Last episode, you heard from Dr. Krasanya Wise Whitehead, Associate Professor of Communications and African American Studies at Loyola University, Maryland, and host of Today with Dr. K on WEAA. 88.9 FM. This week, we continue our topic of history, and we're going to play another clip from our conversation with Dr. K. Here she talks about Black women and our history with the suffrage movement, which you can trace all the way back to the abolitionist movement. There's so much history, and it blows my mind. It is absolutely fascinating. We know you'll enjoy it, too. Take a listen. I mean, when you think about where Black women were in 1916, you have to kind of think about Kimberly Crenshaw's term intersectionality and think about where black folks were and then where women were, because those two things come together in the lives of black women. One, 1916 was years before Brown v. Board in 1954. So you're talking about a time of Jim Crow, a time when black folks were legally separated from white folks, a time when black folks were working within these restrictions around what it meant to be outspoken and free. So that was the first thing. Black women had a certain amount of oppression placed upon their shoulders because they were black in America, and it was 1916. The second piece is about where women were in 1916. That was four years before we got the right to vote. So women did not have a voice in the political system. Now, they were working within the political system, and we have you know, countless cases of, of black women pushing forward and being involved in the political process through the men, encouraging their husbands and brothers and fathers about who to vote for and what to do, but women could not show up to the polls. Women were also kept from certain sports at that time. And when you talk about the restrictions on black women, they were incredible. But black women still managed to not only keep the homes together, because that was one of the places that was under their thumb, but they also managed to write, they managed to speak, they managed to um, be actively involved in the school system as teachers and as principals. Uh, They managed to keep the communities together by doing community activism. And they were pushing back in both of those ways. They were pushing back against Jim Crow and being actively involved in that. And they were pushing back and being involved in the suffrage movement, getting women the right to vote. So I think 1916 has to be framed as an intersectionality issue and framed through both the lens of blackness and through the lens of what it meant to be a woman at that time. 
Now, we had had a split with white feminists, but that happened during the 19th century. If you, you know, if you look at it, black women and white women uh, came together in the 19th century talking around the issue of, of the abolition of slavery. And white women were very interested in getting the right to vote. And there were a number of black women at the table who refused to fight for just the right to vote if there were three million or so black folks who were enslaved. That really was the early split between the suffragists, right? So if you want to go back, there was really the abolitionist movement. When you think about who was at the table there, not Harry Tubman, but the Sojourner Truth of the Wild. Harry Tubman was involved, but she was in New York at the time. But the ways in which black women were pushing to be involved as abolitionists. But this ongoing work around the vote, even though it has been claimed a lot, when you look at the history books of white women being in the front and white women who were suffragettes, black women were actively involved in pushing for the vote as well. If you go back and you look at op-eds that were written in the paper at that time and the ways in which black women picked up the pen and spoke in their churches about being actively involved, there's been no movement in this country, not one. Except, of course, for the legalization of American slavery. But other than that, the movements toward freedom and justice, black women have always been involved. Now, history does not always record what they've done, but I think it's up to us as black women researchers and historians and teachers and professors to make sure that the narrative always includes black women, even if we can't name their names. We have to do like they do at Arlington at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. We have to make the assumption and stand in our power and say, if there was a movement happening for women to get the right to vote, black women were there. If there was a movement happening to legalize child care in this country, black women were there. If there was a movement happening to talk about, you know, free education, black women were there. And I can't tell you the name of the black woman, but I cannot in any way space believe that black women were not involved because we always assume white men are involved. There's a movement where we're like, we don't know the white men, but we know white men must have been doing something because that's who they are. I stand in the same power with black women. Nothing's happening in this country without the contribution, without the voices, without the energy and spirit of black women. The Colored Girl Beautiful is created and hosted by me, Asalika Smith, and produced by Nicole Hill. Another huge thank you to Dr. K for enlightening us so profoundly in this week's episode. She had so many amazing things to share, and we're grateful that she was able to take some time with us. For everything you ever wanted to know about the show, The Colored Girl Beautiful, and the original book that inspired the show, you can visit coloredgirlbeautiful.com. It's never too late to subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on social media, or purchase your very own Colored Girl Beautiful t-shirt. If you like what you hear, send it to a friend. It's Black History Month, so feel free to enlighten the folks around you with your history in this mini-episode. And if you have a sec, give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Links for both in the show notes. The Colored Girl Beautiful is produced with support from PRX and the Google Podcast Creators Program. Thanks as always for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.